1: How can today's book lover decide what to read? With a vast array of choices, what to choose? Professor Jim Flynn is a world-renowned expert on intelligence and IQ and believes that reading gives you a deeper understanding of the world. He scoured the globe looking for the pearls by today's authors. You'll be surprised, delighted, you'll be outraged. But that's the magic of a book list. I'm Wallace Chapman, and in this 10-part series, I go in search of the best modern authors with Jim Flynn. Welcome to the new Torchlight List. Well, we're at episode 10, the final in the new Torchlight List. And let's rank... The modern authors, the very best, promising, not quite good enough to the downright awful. And before I get into it, Jim, and I will start uh, in the middle with promising, you say that when I began this book, I was pessimistic. I felt too many books were being spoiled by the fashions of the day. Over the course of 400 or so books you read for this series,
0: what have you learned Well, some of them are. Calvino, in his later writings, were spoiled by the fashions of the day after writing The Road to the Spider's Nest. Uh, And the novels tend to often say, me, me, me. You're supposed to be more interested in the novelist and his views on love and fate and time and death than you are in what's going on. But, you know, even though people are reading less today, the absolute number of people reading has gone up. You know, in my lifetime, the world's population has trebled. So even if a far smaller percentage of people are reading, they're more absolute readers, and these provide a clientele for some great novelists.
1: Well, you started this 10-part podcast series outlining the the importance of people to get into reading because it gains a bigger understanding of the world around them.
0: And it gains you also an understanding of history – in a way that you won't back your government if they want to do absolutely insane things through ignorance. So what do we do to get
1: more people to read, to put down their, I don't know, their iPhones, to put down their uh, snackable content and actually to pick up a novel?
0: Well, there are a number of things that I've tried to do which are quite feeble. In some secondary schools now, they have a wide reading requirement. And rather than having the kids (laughs) wasted on junk, they actually recommend about 20 novels I've suggested from the Torchlight list. And I've now sent them another 20 novels from this new book. And if they read in this, they get either a Torchlight certificate or a silver certificate or a gold certificate. And I sign them and go and give them a pep talk. But, you know, the government could set up, say, that every secondary school should have a special prize, uh, competence in reading literature, whatever you want to call it. And every school could do this. And if you won such a prize, you would have so much off your bursary when you went to university.
1: Professor Flynn, you're, the, you're 82? Yep,
0: 82.
1: Why are you so passionate about this?
0: Well, over the years in my lectures, I used to illustrate philosophy by giving illustrations from literature. And every year, I would ask them who their favorite authors were. And originally, you had Huxley, Dostoevsky. Now you have a whole class where no one has a favorite author. And people who live in a bubble of the present are not truly human. They're no more liberated than a medieval serf who couldn't transcend <laughs> their place and time. And if all you really know is what you're bombarded with from the media, and you can make no connections with the past, you can make no connections with other peoples, you can be a cynic about what your government tells you, but all you can say is, well, they're probably all liars. You have no independent position to be a good citizen and criticise the government, to say nothing of the fact that they're being cheated of an important pleasure. Well, let's
1: start, uh, let's start with some books. Promising. What have we got? Eleanor Catton, Juno Diaz, Jonathan Franzen. You've got Anne Patchett, uh, J.K. Rowling. What does Promising mean?
0: Well, I think that these are people that I want to read more of. Now, J.K. Rowling thus far has written only one adult novel. It's about a woman who comes from a state housing area near a more respectable neighborhood in Britain. And she's portrayed beautifully, you know, how the tensions between her and the middle class. She has a brother who is not particularly, you know, with it, but she has strong emotions about him. And I thought... For a first adult novel, it was pretty okay. good. Before we get to the very best, we've got three names
1: in the category of awful, and they stand alone on a naked page. Stieg Larsson, Javier Sierra, and Carl Nausgaard, one of the titans of literature <laughs> in your awful category.
0: Yes. I, I, of course, didn't read many awful novels because people suggested what they thought were the very best, a librarian suggested Nosgaard, though with reservations. <laughs> I should say it was interesting to check the books out. One librarian, when I checked out a book, I said to him, uh, have you read this author? And he said, well, I haven't had time to read any authors since I completed my English major, which I thought was rather sad. She is a much more widely read person, and she had reservations about Nosgard. Okay, And as I said, I found him full of tedious detail and sophomoric essays.
1: And in the not quite good enough category, it's huge. And two jump out at me, which we haven't talked about in the ten-part series. Lionel Shriver.
0: Yeah. We
1: need to talk about Kevin.
0: That's a good novel. Brilliant novel. It Jim. is a novel. Not a good novel. novel brilliant novel. It's, it's a good novel. I, I like. Brilliant the, novel. And uh, I didn't feel what other the other few of his I'd read were up to hers. I'm sorry. Was up to the mark that her other novels... Fair
1: point, fair point. I've read a lot of hers.
0: Martin Amos. Martin Amos? Not a fan. I think Martin Amos writes about as good a novel as you can if you're trying to write the great novel. He should be more satisfied with writing about what he knows and what he can portray well. So uh, I, I enjoyed th- that his London Fields... I thought his other novels were not nearly as good. London Fields has some awfully good material in it.
1: And the very best, The Cream of the Crop. And like the awful, it's actually quite a small list here. But you do put on the pedestal, you say whatever Ishiguro writes. From now on, I think his five-starred novels render him secure. And as the reader knows, I think his style sublime. So you're a big fan of Ishiguro, but also Edna O'Brien...
0: Edna O'Brien wrote some awfully good novels, not just The Country Girls, but some of her follow-up novels about Ireland in the 1990s were absolutely excellent, particularly two women who are making do on a subsistence farm. And their position is painted very well. At one point, they have managed to get a hold of a bit of sugar, and they put it in their tea, and one said to the others, ''Now we're living like lords, aren't we?'' And uh, it shows the rural poverty of Ireland at that time, but portrayed with great sympathy.
1: You've got one person we haven't talked about, Eric Larson, in the very best.
0: Yes, Eric Larson, we didn't talk about him because, of course, rather than novels, he writes popular history. Uh, But his Devil in the White City is a classic. It's a wonderful piece of reportage about the Chicago World's Fair, and during the World's Fair, a sadist did come who trapped women to be tortured who happened to be at the fair. But the wonderful thing is about how he contrasts the beautiful society presented in the World's Fair with the reality of what it was to live like in Chicago at the time. And it's a wonderful novel, but he's written other other excellent, outstanding popular histories.
1: And briefly, in the category of those I want to read more of, one name stands out because I love this writer, Jim. You're not quite so enamoured. And that's Michael Ondaatje, uh, The English Patient, The Skin of a Lion. Great writer.
0: You enjoyed The English Patient. Loved it. Yes, I I found it uh, often a bit tedious. No. Uh, But In the Skin of the Lion is a great novel. It's about... People in Toronto, at the time when the Industrial Revolution was exploiting workers to the nth degree, and the jobs they had, you know, in a tanning factory, they had to go into a vat and eviscerate the animals and take all the waste products out, and then they had to stamp the stuff and dye, and their, their bodies were colored and the smell was overpowering. And you could understand why these people became communists or anarchists. And there's a wonderful description of how they tried to hunt down union organisers in the timber industry. It's a very powerful novel in the skin of a lion.
1: And in the same category, those you'd want to read more of is one person I'm not so familiar, wrote a famous book, of course, and that is
0: Anthony Burgess. Anthony Burgess is uh, a novelist. He's written dozens of novels, and he was a composer, you know, of no mean rank. You see, I didn't know that. Yeah, well, Burgess, uh, he was a good composer. His first novels, The Malay Trilogy, are wonderful novels about the decline of British rule in Malaysia, and they follow through several characters that are treated with great sympathy. One is an alcoholic in the ranks... One is a guy who is always trying to make peace in Malaysia. He brings together all sorts of ethnic people at a place in his home who, of course, loathe each other. Uh, But he became corrupted by being a show-off. A clockwork orange? Clockwork orange was good. I found I was put off by the dialogue. I had trouble following what the kids were saying. Uh, But what he did after that, he wrote Earthly Powers, which should have been a wonderful novel. But as we discussed, he keeps showing off his erudition. And uh, the novels he wrote after that, he seemed to recover a bit. He began to write novels in a more straightforward style. Now, I say, you know, after reading 10 novels, I'd found three worth reading. (laughs) And do I read, want to read another 20 novels? But he is someone I do want to read more How of. How interesting.
1: I thought the Anthony Burgess, the composer, was another Anthony Burgess, but no. he's the same one that wrote A Clockwork Orange. It's yes. amazing. Uh, he yeah. is
0: an absolute, you know, he's not an Elgar. He's not the first line, but he, he's a composer of second line, a uh, uh, second line composer of serious music.
1: 400 plus novels, and this is the second series. What... What are you reading now?
0: Well, I'm, Nothing. Yes, <laughs> n- n- not nothing. Uh, I'm starting to read some of the people I say I should read more of, yeah. and I haven't got far into that yet. I was pretty exhausted when I finished this, and I'm now reading mainly books about how universities might be better than they are in the evening. But I'll get back to novels shortly. There's no no reason why I'll knock off completely.
1: And at the age of 82, do you think you'll still keep on reading for pleasure? Do you enjoy it? Oh yes I will. I don't think
0: I'll write another book of this sort because you see when I wrote The Torchlight List I was writing about books that throughout my life had moved me and it was almost an autobiography. Here when you're recommended 400 books you often encounter an author like Nosgaard who's been much hailed, but you can't damning without reading about four of his books. So you've read one book and you absolutely hate it, and he kills your pleasure in reading for the next fortnight because you now have to go on and read three horrible books. And I don't think I could put myself through that again. That is, (laughs) I'm never again going to write this sort of book because it meant too many evenings of reading trash that I really disliked.
1: I completely disagree with you about (laughs) Nelsgard, but uh, (laughs) Professor Emeritus Jim... Flynn, it's a pleasure to have you on as part of this 10 part series on books.
0: Well, I very much enjoyed it.
1: The new Torchlight List with Professor Jim Flynn, scouring the globe looking for the pearls by today's authors, with me, Wallace Chapman. The new Torchlight List was produced by Christine Sessford and recorded by Jeremy Veal. And if you enjoyed it, please write us a review or rate us on iTunes. And while you're there, check out and subscribe to any of the other great RNZ podcasts. There are plenty to choose from. Thanks for listening. Botox Cosmetic, auto botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you.